for talking to me, so maybe I should write this down. They're all saying the same thing, some song that I can't sing. I think I just don't know how. Everything is moving too fast. I'm worried it won't last. I guess I'm just slow to trust. Too many dry bones in my past. You offered a free pass. I put my defenses up. You said I was loved, your grace is enough. So I tried to run away. Too many mistakes and things I could break. I don't think I should stay. But then I say, no.
feels like I'm losing it. I got this brand new life, don't know what to do with it. Oh, I sang all the songs, and every time they prayed, I always played along. Played along. I was searching for your face, feeling empty and out of place. It's like I hear what you're saying, but I don't know what they mean. I heard every lesson, but I never got the Good morning, church. Glad to see you. If you would, go ahead and stand up. We believe that God is going to do some amazing things. Let's let him do that in our hearts, okay?
great things today. We believe that you're going to work in our hearts. Open us up to you. It's in Jesus' holy name that we pray. Amen. Why don't you guys have a seat? Of the earth, your eyes saw me. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. Even then, the night will shine like day for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Search me, God, and know my heart, and lead me in the way everlasting. I praise you. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Let's pray together. Father, we're so grateful for your presence. It's what matters. We know, Lord, that our world is an absolute mess right now. People are living out their rejection of you. And we just pray, Lord, that God's people will stand tall. There are wars going on around the world. It's just a, it's an awful thing, Lord. We just pray for your peace. There's wars going on inside of our culture. We're going to be tackling one of those this morning, and we just pray for your truth and your grace. We love you dearly. We want to honor you. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. So, Ben and I closed out the service last week by telling you about our next series. We told you we'd be dealing with some of the most controversial, polarizing issues that right now are dividing our families, our churches, and our country, Right? We're going to do a series on sexuality. And I told you that uh, this week I was going to talk about sex and gender, you know, whether or not there's actually a gender binary or a gender spectrum. 
whole idea of transgender. So I suspect that some of you guys came in here this morning kind of eager, kind of leaning in. Others of you came in this morning perhaps already defensive, ready to push back. And I know that there are some who chose not to be here at all. And if you had no idea what we're talking about this morning, I suspect you might be wondering what you've stumbled into. And you might be kind of like, do I really want to sit here and listen to some old boomer rant about things he probably doesn't understand? Yeah, good question. We knew that this sermon series would be controversial, so why did we choose to plunge ahead anyway? After all, there really aren't that many people who identify as non-binary or transgender. It's hard to find good numbers, but according to a Pew Research study last year, only about 1.6% of U.S. adults identify as non-binary or transgender, although that number shoots up to about 5% if you just focus on young adults. And that number has doubled in the last five years. But guys, it's not about the numbers. We're going to talk about this because our culture is changing, our worldview is changing, our anthropology, our view of man, and our theology, our view of God are changing. We're going to talk about this because although many of the problems are actually real, some of the answers being offered are not God-honoring. We're Jesus followers. Bottom line, guys, for us, what culture thinks really doesn't matter. In fact, what we think really doesn't matter if it clashes with what God thinks. Do you buy that? Because he's not just our Savior, he's our Lord. Now, I know that the stuff we're going to be talking about is hard, kind of confusing to us. So Ben and I are going to ask for grace. We're going to likely say some things inelegantly. We probably would not explain things the way that you would. And because this stuff is so polarizing, some of you may not actually hear what we're going to try to say. But our job is to try to convey God's truth with God's grace. Sometimes that's hard. If you disagree with the way we understand God's truth and grace, we're still going to love you. And I hope that you'll still try to love us back. Three sermons in this series. Today's about sex and gender, transgender issues. Next week, Ben is going to talk about same-sex attraction, gay and lesbian issues. And week three, I'm going to be talking about a host of other sexual sins, the kind that trip most all of us up. So we ask that you listen to all three. Don't quit after sermon one or sermon two. These are issues, these are sins that we all struggle with, all of us. We're not going to try to single anyone out. One more thing before we get started. As Jesus followers, we do think differently about a whole lot of things. Can you explain why? The Apostle Peter put it like this. He says, we want you to worship Christ as the Lord of your life. That's cool, right? We get it. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, be ready to explain it. Can you? But do it gently and respectfully. So we're going to try to explain why we think differently as Jesus followers. And we're going to try to do it with gentleness and with respect. Because this kind of tough stuff takes both truth and grace, right? There is no grace without truth. And there's no truth without God's grace. So here goes. Imagine a young kid, kind of awkward, struggling to find affirmation with his peers, maybe even from his family. 
Maybe he's a boy who feels kind of out of place. He's not into truck sports and action movies. Perhaps he's not as big as other kids, as strong, athletic, not as cool. Maybe he's mocked some or even bullied. Boatload of kids like that, right? Or imagine a young girl who's simply not into dresses, makeup, or maybe she just doesn't wear them well. Maybe she's not as pretty or smart or accepted. Perhaps she is socially awkward. Perhaps these kids just don't feel what they think a normal girl or boy should feel. So they perceive themselves as less than. And maybe, maybe they see others who are kind of like them, who embrace their true selves, and they watch as those kids find acceptance. And they wonder, maybe I should come out too. Or imagine you're the parent of a kid who's struggling like that. Maybe your kid is struggling with you because he's not the kind of boy that you wished he was or the kind of girl that you wish she was. And one day your boy's painting his nails or your girl starts talking about hormone blockers or top surgery. And you watch fearfully as your kids hang out with kids who dress differently, who use strange pronouns for each other. And you watch as your kid is affirmed by this different set of peers. And you watch as your kid pushes you away because you don't accept them, affirm them, love them in their eyes, right? And you begin to wonder, well, maybe love is love. And you actually hear that if you don't affirm your kid, you might put them at risk of self-harm, maybe even suicide. So do you want a living daughter or a dead son? Or imagine that you're a grandparent. You're watching TV with your grandkids, you know, one of those brain-dead kid shows. All of a sudden, on the kids' show, there are gay characters, transgender characters, non-binary characters, and your kid doesn't flinch. You do. And you read about drag queens doing readings for kids in libraries, about schools using this thing called a gender unicorn as a teaching tool. That mystifies you and maybe even horrifies you. Guys, these are not hypotheticals, just they are reality for so many, including families right here at Capital City. Did you know that? These are cultural realities which are already affecting or will affect every single family, every family. They are reflective of a shifting worldview that's affecting our families, our schools, our media, our workplaces, our politics. It is the predominant culture war currently, I think. So why are we going to talk about these things here at Cap City? Because everyone else is. But it goes deeper than that. These wars reflect a cultural conviction that our feelings and our desires don't just drive us, they define us. We have made sexuality the core of our identity, believe it or not. My sexuality, what I desire sexually, how I express my sexuality, they have become the most important part of our identity to so many. One guy put it like this, he said, for the first time in history, we have taken sex from an activity, something you do, to an identity, who you are. And that's creating incredible confusion. And it's ripping people away from each other, and I think it's ripping people away from God. In a nutshell, our culture has been changing at light speed. 
Guys, even the definitions of words have been changing at light speed, so it's hard to know what right words to use because the words we choose may not be what you hear. What concerns us most as Jesus followers is that some of these cultural winds do seem at odds. They seem at odds with the designs and the purposes of our Creator, our God. You see, for thousands of years, the vast, vast majority of people have assumed that there were just two sexes, male and female, and that sex and gender were inextricably linked. In other words, your gender is based on your equipment. That wasn't just the assumption for people who believed in the Bible. It's just the way that about everybody in the world viewed the world. There was a binary. Not just people, but just about all the other creatures on earth. And yet, with what seems like light speed, sex and gender have been disconnected, separated, differentiated. Now, for so many, sex is still linked to your physical body, kind of. But your gender is linked more to your heart and your mind. Your physical body determines your sex, kind of, but your identity is more about your heart and your mind, what you think, what you feel. That's who you are. I'm going to show you two pictures that are kind of used now to explain our new anthropology, our new view of man. This one's called the gender-bred person. That one's called the gender unicorn. They use it to explain these things. Your sex is something that you're assigned at birth. By whom you're assigned that, they really don't say. And basically, your sex is about body parts. Do you have guy parts, girl parts? And the truth is, there are a very, very, very few number of people who actually have some of both. Gender's about your feelings, your mind. How do you see yourself? How do you, do you feel like you're a male or a female? Or maybe even you feel like you're something different, or maybe both and. And then there's your gender expression. How do you present yourself? How do you want to talk? How do you want to act? How do you want to dress? How do you choose to fit into our cultural stereotypes? And then there's your attraction. What kind of people are you drawn to, romantically, sexually, in some other way? And none of these things is fixed. We're kind of on a spectrum. And you don't have to stay the same. ABC News reported on a mom who said about her kids, some days Annie's a girl, some days he's a boy. So for graduation, we brought both a dress and a suit because when that day comes, we don't know what kind of who he or she will be which is kind of hard for some of us to wrap our minds around, right? In fact, it has led to an, an immense confusion. What exactly is a woman? What exactly is a man? And I'm telling you guys that a whole lot of people in our culture have a hard time explaining that. Well, how do we respond as Jesus followers? You see, for us, what matters most to a Jesus follower is not what our culture thinks. What matters most to a Jesus follower is not what we think. What does God think? So our agenda in this series is not to give our opinions, our ideas, or our preferences. We're going to try, we're going to try to reflect what God thinks. And I know that there are other Jesus followers who will disagree with us, which makes this extra hard. I know that you can go online and you can find some Jesus follower who agrees with whatever you want to think. That stuff's tearing churches apart. 
But it's still our job as pastors to do our best to present to you God's word, God's heart, God's will, as best we understand it. We have to ask the question, are any of these ideas at odds with God? Because that matters to us, doesn't it? I don't want to be at odds with God. I don't want you to be at odds with God. So, at odds number one. Did our God create a binary or a spectrum? Our culture, our world is leaning towards the idea that it's a spectrum, it's a continuum. They're not just two genders. They're not even just two sexes. Instead, there's an almost infinite number of them. And you can actually move along that spectrum. But unless you do some mental gymnastics and some exegetical gymnastics with the Bible, that whole idea seems to be at odd with the plain reading of Scripture. Genesis 1, first chapter of our Bible, God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them, male and female. And guys, it's not just a human binary. It's a binary that ripples through most of the creatures on earth. And this isn't just in the Old Testament, guys. It's not just an Old Testament idea. It is reaffirmed by Jesus. Jesus said, God made us male and female from the beginning of creation, which explains why a man leaves his dad and mom and is joined to his wife and they're united into one. And guys, this binary is never challenged in Scripture. In fact, it's reinforced. Very harsh verse in the Old Testament, the law of Moses, it says a woman must not put on men's clothing. Man must not wear women's clothing. Anyone who does that is detestable in the sight of our Lord. Now, I know, guys, that we're not under the Old Testament law. That's not our law. But you can see the Apostle Paul giving one set of instruction to guys and another set of instructions to ladies several times because we were created differently by God. The rejection of the binary is at odds with the word, guys. Here's another at odds, at odds number two. What do you do when your mind and your body disagree? How about your feelings? What do you do when your feelings don't match your body? Maybe your body says male, your body says you're designed to couple with a female, but your mind and your feelings disagree. We're calling that disconnect dysphoria, gender dysphoria. And right now our world is leaning towards the supremacy of the feelings. If your feelings don't match your body, change your body, right? Because your mind and your heart tell you who the real you is. Your body doesn't define you. So change it if you want. It's malleable. One transgender guy said on YouTube, I know I'm not my body. Which seems at odds with Scripture. Listen, guys, all of us understand dysphoria. All of us. We know what it feels like when there's a war between what we feel and what God wants. We know what it feels like when there's a war between what I think about me and who God created me to be. We all understand that. Listen to the Apostle Paul, Romans 7. He says, I want to do what's right, but I can't. I want to do what's good, but I don't. I don't want to do what's wrong. I do it anyway. We know that our feelings will take us to places where we don't want to be as Jesus followers. The Bible says that the human heart is the most deceitful of all things. It is desperately wicked. I get that. 
I don't want to follow my heart. I don't want you to follow your heart. I want you to follow Jesus. See, we Jesus followers understand that our feelings are going to mess us up. We don't change our bodies. We try to change our minds. Apostle Paul put it like this. He says, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of what he's done for you. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind he finds acceptable. That's the way to worship him. He says, do not copy the behavior and the customs of the world. Let God transform you because God can do that. He's God, guys. Let him transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, by changing your mind. Embrace the body God has given you. Give it to God. Let God help you renew your mind because God can do that. One guy put it like this. He said, the biggest lie in the world today is that if there's a disconnect between your mind and your body, listen to your mind and mutilate your body. Why? Is it acceptable to carve a body up to match an inner sense of self? But they're calling it bigoted to try to change of self, a sense of self to match the body given to us by God. It's not bigoted. Which kind of leads into at odds number three. Who owns you guys? Who owns you? Who owns your body? Who has the right to dictate who you should be? Who gets to determine your identity? You're going to hear in our world something like this. It's my body. It's my choice. Keep your laws off my body. I've even seen this one. Keep your God out of my body. Have you ever heard that? I have. And God is kind of like, whose body do you think it is? Here's the Apostle Paul. He says, run away from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. And that matters right? He said, sexual immorality is a sin against your own body, but it's really not your body, he says. He says, don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You don't belong to yourself. You don't own you. God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. Sometimes it sounds like our world is saying, it's your body, do what you want. And it's like God whispers back, I created you. I redeemed you. Your body's not yours. It's mine. I'm going to change directions just a little. Because one of the most frustrating parts of this culture war is what looks like the capitulation of reason and science. It's like we're being asked to accept what makes very little sense. It's like we're twisting the science to follow our feelings. We're twisting the science to support our political correctness. It's like we're being asked, asked, asked to reject the intentionality of our creator, our God, as if what he meant doesn't matter much. Guys, God expects us to use some common sense. I think God expects scientists to follow the science. At odds number four, we have always known that our minds can be muddled, our minds can be messed up, our feelings can lead us in bad places. So for millennia, we've tried healing the mind, adjusting the feelings. An anorexic goes to a doctor, tells him, I'm too fat. Now, she's skin and bones, she's dangerously thin, but she thinks she's fat. Do you think any doctor's going to go along with her? 
prescribe some diet pills, liposuction, maybe some lap band surgery? If he does, I hope he loses his license, right? He works to get her mind to match her body, tries to heal the mind. People with phobias. When I was really little, I had a phobia about doctors and hospitals. I damaged my neck when I was born, so I was in and out of doctor's offices, hospitals quite a bit when I was really little. To a little guy, those were the ones who caused me all that pain. That phobia stuck with me for quite a few years until God called me to be a minister, and that was going to be a problem if you have a phobia about hospitals, right? So what do you think I should do? Adjust my life as a minister to appeal to that phobia or challenge the phobia? I challenged it. We try to heal the minds. God can do that. Depression. People who are depressed see the world as way worse than it really is. We try to heal their minds. We do that with just about everything except gender dysphoria. Instead of questioning whether the mind might be messed up, we allow it to define reality. Guys, only God's mind can define reality. Here's another at odds, at odds number five. We're being told that our children know, our children understand who they really are gender-wise, so you've got to let them lead. You just have to affirm them. In fact, we're being told to allow our children to make medical decisions that can affect the rest of their life, puberty blockers, surgeries. Guys, allowing children to make those kinds of decisions is counterintuitive to every single God-honoring parent. In fact, that's why God created parents, to protect kids when they make unwise decisions, which is what kids do. I mean, parents, how many of you guys have watched your kids live in a fantasy world? Did your kid ever think he was a ninja, an alien, a unicorn, or a cat? It's what kids do. And that's fine, it's cool, as long as we're there to protect them and to keep them to, from slipping into fantasy as their reality. Parents, how many of you have watched your kids change their minds, their dreams, their aspirations repeatedly? Kids do that. It is irrational to allow a child to make life-altering decisions based on their temporary feelings. And here's what you're not being told. Studies are showing that 60 to 80% of those with gender dysphoria will age out of it if you leave them alone. I've seen that number as high as 90%. There's a doctor from Johns Hopkins who put it like this. He says, when children who reported transgender feelings were tracked without medical or surgical treatment at both Vanderbilt and London's Portland Clinic, 70 to 80% of them spontaneously lost those transgender feelings. Did you know that? Feelings change. Bodies don't. Just one more this morning. We're going to dig a little deeper on Wednesday night. At odds number six, what one guy called emotional terrorism. If you have a kid struggling with gender dysphoria, you're going to be told that you will increase their odds of suicide if you don't affirm them. And without doubt, they will point to examples of exactly that happening. And so you'll hear it put like this, do you want a living son or a dead daughter? Which is emotional terrorism. Think of it like this. What if a husband said to a wife, I was not born to be monogamous, so if you do not affirm my adulteries, I may kill myself. 
You can either have an adulterous husband or a dead monogamous one. How many of you wives would choose to affirm your partner's adultery? Now, I'm sure there's flaws in that analogy, but here's the deal. Guys, there are risks when a parent refuses to affirm their child's dysphoria. There are also risks when you do. Do you have any idea how much long-term damage these puberty blockers can do in these surgeries? Talk about that more on Wednesday. And did you know that the risk of suicide after gender surgery skyrockets? I read this one the last couple of weeks. I read that the most statistically valid survey that exists in the world today when it comes to surgery on someone who has gender dysphoria, that was done in Sweden. They followed 324 people over 30 years, and what they found is that 10 years after surgery, the suicide rate increased 20 times compared to the general population. That's heartbreaking. There's so much more. Did you know that whatever drugs you take, whatever surgeries you endure, you simply cannot change your sex? Because it's not just about male and female body parts. Did you know that every single cell in your body is sexed? Every single one of them contains a chromosome with a sexual marker, X or Y. And did you know that it's not just about body parts? God created our whole bodies to be different for a reason. Different hormones. Hips are shaped differently. Height, muscle mass, bone mass. Hearts and lungs are different. Hair is different. The way we, our brains are wired is different. The way we see, think, talk. These are not social constructs. It's male and female as designed by our God. But we become so confused. If it's not about our bodies, what makes a man a man? What makes a woman a woman? Guys, what's left is stereotypes. And they're messed up. 2015, Vanity Fair put a picture of Bruce Jenner on its cover, and it says, call me Caitlin. What makes him a woman now? Cleavage? Long hair? Lipstick? Dresses? Liking girl stuff? Whatever that is? In fact, one feminist came out and said that Jenner undid in one magazine cover what feminists had been pushing for 150 years. See, according to the stereotype, women are people who like lipstick, dresses, painted nails, pink, other girly stuff. The kind of stuff feminists were trying to overcome. What if you're a biological female who doesn't like lipsticks, dresses, painted nails, pink, and girly stuff? One guy I read put it like this. He said, listen, if you're a biological female who loves football, fast cars, and John Wick, that does not make you a male. It makes you awesome. (laughs) And what if you're a guy who doesn't like football and fast cars and John Wick? What if you're a guy who likes music and arts and poetry? Does that make you a woman? No. Kind of makes you like King David who kind of liked music and poetry and dance and was willing to cry at times. Stereotypes change, guys. Back in 1918, the Ladies Home Journal said that pink is a strong color suitable for boys. Blue is more delicate and dainty, better for a girl. Maybe we need a little more grace as to what a man or a woman can be. 
Maybe it does not honor God to tell a boy who likes music that he's girly or a rough-and-tumble girl to start acting like a lady within limits. And sometimes these cruel stereotypes are embraced by Christian parents. Sometimes these cruel stereotypes are embraced by thoughtless churches. And sometimes as we drive our kids away from ourselves, we also drive our kids away from God. Let me start wrapping this up. So how do we Jesus followers respond to all of this? I can tell you guys, this stuff is incredibly polarizing. People don't have a whole lot of grace for anyone who disagrees with them. In fact, I know that some of the words that I have spoken this morning will be considered reckless, hateful, and transphobic. Because for so many, tolerance is not adequate. You have to affirm or you're hateful. I hope that's not how God sees it. In the end, it doesn't matter a whole lot what you think of me. It doesn't matter a whole lot what I think of me. What matters is what God thinks of me. And if God thinks I'm hateful, I'm in trouble. We try to speak God's truth with God's grace because there's no grace without truth and no truth without grace, right? What it boils down to is this, guys. Did God get it right? Do you think God got it right? That's being tested. That's being challenged. The truth is all of us challenge it from time to time. Or maybe it boils down to this. Do you think there's a big G God at all? And do you trust him even when you don't understand him? Do you trust him even when you disagree with him? That's what faith is, guys. We're Jesus followers. If and when our world is at odds with God, we're going to stand with God, his truth, his grace. And listen, we want to do life with people who are trying to figure out what it means to do life with God. So if you are a sinner who wants to hang with other sinners who are trying to do life with God for God, God's way together, you are welcome here. It does not matter to us what sin you are struggling with. If you've been canceled by Jesus' followers in the past, I hope you don't feel canceled here, but we will not compromise on God's truth. Neither will we ever intentionally compromise on God's grace. We can mess up. Guys, we're all sinners. Every single one of us needs a boatload of grace. So just be grateful that God's love for us never, ever, ever quits. Do you buy that? Be grateful that Jesus made it possible for every single one of us sinners, every single one of us to be reconciled with God if we'll bend our knees and accept him as our Savior and our Lord. So let's give him the honor and the praise that he deserves.
It's important for us to be able to pray together as a family with words that can bring us together as well. And so I want to make sure that we do this together. There is a place for you that you are accepted and loved no matter where you've been, no matter what you're doing, and even what you're going to do in the future. So I want to make sure that we're following these prompts. They're going to be up there on the screen, and I want to make sure that we pray these together. And this is one of those times I don't mind if you don't have your eyes <laughs> closed or your head bowed. I do want to make sure that we are praying this together. So would you pray with me in these words here? Reflect now on a time when God has moved on your behalf in your life. It could have been years ago or it could be just today. And I want you to thank him right now for coming to your rescue. And in the midst of this, acknowledge that he has done great things for you. sing about and we talk about your greatness, it would be silly for us to acknowledge that you have done extraordinary things, wonderful things, powerful things, and then just forget that you also call us to live a different type of life. So we are saying this together. We are saying that you have rescued us and shown us, and you're willing to rescue and show yourself to any person who acknowledges Jesus Christ as Lord. We hope that that happens today. From a new relationship and a new covenant with you and all the ones that are represented here that have been connected to you for a number of years, we acknowledge that you have worked on our lives and it is our duty, our job, to be able to give grace and truth in equal abundance. So we thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. Now I'd love for you to be able to think about a situation that you're dealing with right now talked about what he's done in the past. Let's think about a situation that you're dealing with right now. If it takes you a few moments to come up with it, do so. Something that you're struggling with. I want you to confess to God these words. I don't have the power to handle this on my own. So come up with a situation. Think about it, what's going on in your life, and say it to him. I don't have the power to handle this on my own. If you're a guy, you might have a real hard time dealing with this because we don't like doing this, all right? Maybe if you're a girl, then you have a problem doing that. 
The thing is, is that there are a lot of troubles that we have with being able to just handle things on our own. And we're going to ask him right now, confess to him right now. Ask him right now to come in, intervene, and do something extraordinary. Do something great in this situation. Father, we know that there are a lot of situations that are represented here, a lot of families that are represented here, people who are struggling with the very things that we're talking about. Maybe it in some, themselves they're dealing with this type of stuff. They don't want to hear what it is that you have to say. They want to hear what we have to say. And this situation literally right now is affecting them. God, I ask that you will alleviate fear. You will alleviate any uh, discord that is among us right now, that you will alleviate any work that an enemy is working right now on the hearts of people that are in this room, that are listening online, that are struggling, because your word sometimes divides us. It's divided families, it's divided relationships, it's divided workplaces, it's divided churches. Father, we refuse to let this situation go someplace that it shouldn't be. But I, I just, I ask about all the ones that are happening right now, all the different situations and the people that are here, what they're dealing with, and help them to, to realize that your power is sufficient, that your grace is sufficient. And we put ourselves in line with your word, and we put ourselves in line with what it is that you want. And your purposes, the sky is truly the limit. You can work anything more beyond our imagination and do something tremendous. So we've seen it happen in the past and we're expecting it right now. Come and involve yourself in every one of these things and do something great. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Again, amen. And I want you now to be praying for strength. You have a faith that is built on God's word. That's why we're here. That's why you're in this room listening to his word and saying, God, what can you do through your word to change me? I want to live like Jesus Christ. I want to be different. So I'm going to pray and you want to pray for this in your life, that God will strengthen your faith. It's pretty easy to do it in this room. It's really hard to do it out there. I want you to ask him to remove all doubt and all worry. Ask him to enlighten your soul, enlighten your heart, enlighten your mind so that you, when you're in his word, it gets rid of the dark places. Thanking him right now for calling you his child. He calls you son. He calls you daughter. You're fearfully and you're wonderfully made. Remember that he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. No matter what choice you choose to make, no, nothing that you can do will pull you away from his grace. Believe that he will do something amazing in your life. Father, I pray for every son and daughter that's in this room right now. I pray for what's happening right now, but I also pray for their future. Because they're going to be confronted with a world that does not believe 
as you believe. We can dissect that and have dissected it for thousands of years. Our agenda by itself fails. Our agenda is flawed. Yours is perfect. Yours is amazing. Your grace and your truth, Father, they are magnificent. All we can do is sit in awe of both, not just one over the other. Teach us how to live, Father, so that today is good, but tomorrow and the next day and eternity is connected to you. Everything that we do, Father, is for your glory. Everything that we do is so that we can advance your kingdom, starting with our heart, starting with this church, and telling the world, showing the world what Jesus Christ has done. Teach us over and over again how to love you, how to love each other. Let there be no mistake. You are ours. We are yours. Thank you for this new identity that we find, not in anything that's physical. We find it in this relationship that we have with Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. We're about to come into a time of communion. If you don't know what that is and you want to know more about it later on, we'd love to tell you. But essentially what we're going to do is a memorial service about what Jesus Christ has done on a cross. Right before he, he died and was... Um, buried and rose again. He instituted this, what we're about to do right now, a version of this, where you're going to go to the tables and you're going to take some bread and some juice. When you eat that, you're reminded that his body and blood were sacrificed for you. We also use this time to be able to um, give you an opportunity to give. If you are uh, a member, if you are call this place home and you want to give uh, your offering, this is what we're going to do in just a few moments. At each of the stations, we have a box that's marked offering. It's basically the first fruit, whatever you want to give to the Lord. And just um, speak, <laughs> let him speak to your heart about that. We also have this thing that we do called the generous buckets. And when you go to the tables, you'll see the white bucket that is marked that way as well. And this is if you've got something outside of your offering that you want to give to people that are in need in this community, show that love in that particular way. We want to give you that chance to do that too. So go ahead and stand. I'm going to pray for us one more time and send you to the tables. God, thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you for showing us what love looks like. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Let's go to the tables.
Still no good? Yeah. Testing one, two, check. Okay. <laughs> Test, check, check, check. Testing, there we go. Yeah. Yeah, hold on, I can't. <laughs> now we'll do it. I promise I won't be long, okay? But uh, if you're a guest with us today, we're just thrilled that you took time to be with us. I hope that you were thrilled that you were here today. You could have been a lot of other places, but we're glad that you're here. On the back of the chair in front of you is a Connect card. We'd love for you to grab that, fill that out for us. You can drop it off on your way out the door this morning. A few things that I do want to make you aware of. Uh, if you've been with us this year, you've heard us talk about our nudges that we do each month. And this month, we're doing a uh, first uh, serve day first responder nudge. So out in the lobby, over in the corner by the connections room is a table uh, with the sign-up sheets where we are asking our church family to, to do one of a few things. Uh, we have all of our fire stations and firehouses listed in the city and the county. We've got the nursing stations at the hospital listed. We've got the sheriff's office. We've got the city police office. And what we're asking you to do is, is maybe uh, fix a meal and take to one of the firehouses or uh, fix a tray of, of goodies and take to uh, the nursing stations or, or to the sheriff's office or to the police station. So just go out there. You can sign up for any of them. You just do it at any time during the month of October, okay? It's our serve month, uh, and we're just hoping to, to influence those who, who are our first responders in our community and have an impact on them because they have an impact on us. So if you want to help us out with that, maybe do it individually, get your life group to do it, uh, get your kids involved, that would be a great thing to do also, okay? 
Also, the end of the month is one of our all-hands-on-deck events. It's our trunk or treat. And on the chairs this morning that were sort of spread out are some cards where we need help, okay? We need your help uh, in pulling off this event. So we need people to decorate their trunks. Uh, we're hoping that the weather's going to be good. We'll be able to do it outdoors. So we're needing people to decorate their trunks as, as families here in our community come and make their way uh, through our parking lot and you just hand out candy. Uh, you can help us out by bringing candy. We're still in needs of, uh, need of candy uh, to give out at Trunk or Treat. And there's a few other things that, that you can sign up for as well. So fill that card out. Again, you can drop that off at the Welcome Center on your way out this morning or hand it off to one of our staff, okay? Uh, I hope that today's a great, been a great day for you, a great start to your week. I know God's got something in store for you this week, somebody he's going to put in your path who needs to know about him. And I hope you'll take every advantage of that opportunity and share that with them and invite them to come be a part of our worship next week. One more song as our, as our band takes us out this morning. Feel free to stand and worship with us. If you need to slide on out, you can do that too. But let's worship him as we go out this morning. <laughs> 